20 years ago today was probably the single biggest event in the history of Catholicism in St. Louis. Speaking, of course, about the visit of Pope, now St. John Paul II, to our city. And I was six years old at the time uh, when the Holy Father visited St. Louis. I was barely old enough to remember it, but young enough to really not fully understand the significance of all of the events. They had a big welcome event at the airport, a youth event at the Enterprise Center, mass with over 100,000 people at the Dome, which remains to this day the single largest indoor gathering in United States history. And then later that night, an ecumenical event, an event of different faiths, gathering at the Cathedral Basilica. And Pope John Paul's visit only lasted about 31 hours. It was rather short. But the impact of that visit was felt far beyond just that individual time and that individual place. There were many young men and women who were inspired by the Holy Father's words and eventually joined seminaries or convents, and a number of them got ordained. We have a couple priests in our archdiocese who credit their own vocations to the words that the Holy Father spoke to them in St. Louis. But the biggest impact that John Paul II had during his time in our city was his pro-life witness. John Paul II, as we know, preached so much about a culture of life, where every single life was respected from conception until natural death and everywhere in between. Pope John Paul II was really the first pope to live in a world that was imbued with the culture of death, unfortunately. We could say that previous popes had at least some headwind uh, with, with the sails, but John Paul II was the first pope to truly have everything going against him, to go against the wind, to go against the grain of society. He had to promote life in a very hostile culture. And so thankfully, John Paul II proclaimed the church's teachings boldly, clearly, with no confusion and without equivocation. And so 20 years ago today, at his mass in the Dome, John Paul II said these words, The new evangelization calls for followers of Christ who are unconditionally pro-life, who will proclaim, celebrate, and serve the gospel of life in every situation. The new evangelization calls for followers of Christ who are unconditionally pro-life, who will proclaim, celebrate, and serve the gospel of life in every situation. As John Paul II so boldly proclaimed, there are no exceptions to the right to life. Absolutely none. And to defeat the culture of death, most prominently with abortion in our country, it requires us to be unconditionally pro-life, with no exceptions. But John Paul II also had a very real impact in another pro-life cause, a very direct impact, in fact, in the life of one individual a man by the name of Daryl Meese. You see, Daryl Meese had been convicted of murdering three people back in 1988. It was a fellow drug dealer of his, his wife, and his disabled son. He shot them each twice with a shotgun, including once each at point-blank range. It was an absolutely brutal slaying. He'd even camped out for days waiting for them to come home, premeditated, absolutely. And his execution, this man, Daryl Meese, had been scheduled for January 26th, the day that the Pope would have gotten into St. Louis. 
And once the Pope announced he was coming, the state decided, okay, we got, we got to move this execution. It would look really, really bad. So they moved it to a couple weeks later. But he was still scheduled to die about a, a week or so after the Holy Father would leave St. Louis. But that night, on January 27th, at the cathedral, after that ecumenical prayer service, the Pope was greeting some people. After that Mass, he greeted civil rights activist Rosa Parks, Vice President Gore, and he also greeted then-Governor Mel Carnahan. And as he was shaking Governor Carnahan's hand, the Pope, you know, his hand trembling with Parkinson's, said very simply, please have mercy on Mr. Meese. Simple words, asking the governor to have mercy on a man on death row. Governor Carnahan was a big proponent of the death penalty. In fact, in his seven years as governor, the governor had previously approved the executions of 26 people. But the words of the Pope inspired him that night, and he commuted the sentence of Daryl Meese to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And Daryl Meese is still alive today, thanks to the efforts of Pope John Paul II. Now we know that as important as that case was and as important as those on death row are, we know that the preeminent issue facing the culture of life today is abortion. It's the preeminent human rights issue of our time, protecting the unborn. And no issue affects as many lives and people as that one. Amnesty International recently calculated that, there, that last year there were 993 people put to death around the world. And they acknowledge that number might be a little bit small, but compare that to the CDC's statistics, which say that the United States averages about 638,000 abortions in the United States alone in one year. Again, no other issue compares to the amount of people that abortion affects. And so it's for this reason that the church proclaims a truly pro-life ethic, a culture of life that even does go beyond abortion. As Archbishop Nauman of Kansas City, Kansas, spoke so beautifully this past week, we as a church are concerned about the life and dignity of the human person wherever it is threatened or diminished. We care about those who are harmed by economic poverty, by racism, and by religious intolerance. We care about the plight of the refugee fleeing persecution and the immigrant seeking a better life for his or her family. We care about victims of violent crime as well as those in prison, for those with intellectual or physical disabilities and the frail, frail elderly. We stand with those in law enforcement when they are disrespected or suffer violence, as well as victims of police brutality. And yes, we stand with victims of physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. After all, the abuse of minors and the cover-up associated with it upends the pro-life ethic because it is a grave injustice and an egregious offense against the dignity and sanctity of the human person. In short, anyone whose life is threatened or whose dignity is disrespected has a claim on our hearts. It is the fullest living out of those words of St. Paul in our second reading, that when one part of the body suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And so wherever human life is disrespected or discarded, the entire body of Christ grieves and mourns. An offense against one member is an offense against all. And John Paul II, when he came to St. Louis, had an opportunity 
to be pro-life in that very small way of appealing to the governor. He saw someone whose life was being threatened and he wanted to help. And I know that John Paul II would have done the exact same thing if, if during his time in St. Louis he had encountered a woman who was contemplating an abortion. But in that moment, the pro-life thing to do for John Paul II was to plead for the life of this man. A man who had confessed to a heinous crime, but a man who had a right to life because he was a child of God, created in God's image and his likeness. Each and every one of us, brothers and sisters, must be unconditionally pro-life, with no exceptions. We have to be imbued with the culture of life, have a worldview for life. When difficult questions or issues come up, our first instinct has to be, what is the pro-life thing to do in this situation? That should be our first instinct, the very first thing that comes to mind. Often our witness is, albeit very small, but sometimes it can make a direct impact, just as John Paul II was able to do. So let us today, this weekend at this Mass, renew our commitment to protecting and defending life in all of its stages, to stand in solidarity with anyone whose life is under attack or in danger, and pray for the conversion of hearts for those who promote the culture of death. And may we promote a culture of life where everyone is loved and cherished, and as a people and as a world, truly be unconditionally pro-life.